So, uh, Ruth, uh, chapter one is where we're going to start. We are, uh, the next, I don't know how many weeks, I thought it was 13, and then I looked, and my, the very first lesson I started with, I thought it was going to be one week, and I already know it. it's only it's going to be a two-week lesson just for the first one. So we'll see how many weeks uh, it takes to get through here. But we're going to go through uh, Ruth and Esther. And uh, Ruth and Esther are uh, obviously the only women in the Bible who have a book completely dedicated to them. Uh, so you need a book named you. I'm not good at uh, yeah. a good a book named you or read you. But uh, Ruth was a Jew woman, married Jew, and then was put in the lineage of uh, the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. Uh, we think of the book of Esther. This is a Jewish, Jewish, uh, or a Jew, Jew lady, Jewish, uh, Jewess, J-E-W-E-S-S, Jewish, that married a Gentile. She, of course, used of God to save the Jewish na- nation, excuse me, from destruction. And if the, if the Jewish nation had been destroyed, obviously the Messiah would never be born. So they have that story. The story of Ruth begins with a famine and ends with the birth of a baby. Uh, the story of Esther begins with a feast. And ends with the death of over 75,000 people. And um, if you look through these books, they are very opposite in a lot of ways. In Ruth, God is mentioned 25 times in this book. But in the book of Esther, God is not named even once. Think of that. Um, yet in both these books, we see uh, the will of God is fulfilled. We see God's hand is very clearly seen of how he leads in these people's lives. And, um, you know, I think of, uh, I'm not sure even what led me to this, these, uh, going through these stories, but, um, I don't know, I just found them interesting. But, uh, you know, and we see in spite of their different backgrounds, their different experiences that they face, both Ruth and Esther were very committed to what God had for their life. And um, they were committed to do the will of God. Um, we think of Ruth's reply, which we're not going to really get into today, but it, it Eventually we will, but her reply to Naomi uh, in, in Ruth 1, verse 16 and 17, is probably one of the greatest, uh, whatever you want to say, confessions of faith, where she's saying, uh, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And I'm going to take the God. She, she saw uh, the God of Naomi as she started a relationship with her, uh, with Naomi's son. But that... Uh, great confession of faith is so strong. We think of Esther's reply to Mordecai, uh, if I perish, I perish. That is an incredible, uh, she's willing to lay down her life to save her people. And there's so many things in there. Uh, but Ruth and Esther both uh, call us as Christians today to be committed to Jesus Christ in the midst of whatever we're going through. And we see the, the struggles that each of them will face and doing his will at any cost. Uh, it's been said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. We say it one more time. Faith is not believing in spite of evidence, but obeying in spite of consequence. Uh, sometimes we always we think that we have to have the evidence in front of us to do what God has for us. Sometimes we use the consequences in our life to not follow through what God has for us. We use that to blame all of our problems on. We blame God sometimes in the midst of those things. But Ruth and Esther point the way to a very, uh, I think, exciting type of faith, a very dynamic type of faith that we should all follow. Uh, Let me pray, and then we'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, you're good to us. Uh, We're grateful for uh, your hand in our life. God, I pray that we trust you. 
Sometimes we uh, face some hardships in our life that we don't think we can handle. But I pray that we trust in you. Uh, understand that you are in control. God, you know what's going on in our life. Uh, you know what's going on in this world, but more specifically in us individually. Pray we trust in you and pray that we um, just seek after what you have for us, God. Uh, open our eyes to that. And um, we love you so much, God, in your name. Amen. Uh, if uh, I'm not a giant, uh, if you know who Ralph Waldo Emerson fan is, uh, is I'm not a big fan of him, but there's a quote that he said. It says, uh, the efforts we make to escape our destiny only serve to lead us into it. Uh, and uh, this came from his book, The Conduct of Life. Now, I haven't read that whole book or I've read bits and pieces of it once in a while, but uh, I did get this quote from there. And, you know, that, that tr uh, quote is true today as it was. He wrote that in 1860. But, you know, God has given us the freedom of choice, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, and we can ignore the will of God. We can argue with the will of God. We can disobey the will of God. We can fight against the will of God. Uh, and he's given us that freedom. But in the end, the will of God, it, it, it shall prevail, really. Uh, it says uh, in Psalms 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. It's going to be true no matter what. I mean, we can't go against what God has. Uh, but we ought to be following after that. So first off, let me come back to that question. Uh, name a problem that you wanted to run away from. They have a problem they wanted to run away from in life nobody's thought of anything that they've ever wanted to run away from no my from home i was is this five-year-old all right nathan death okay all right doesn't want to get to that see i would hate to yeah, that's that's one thing i've thought about is like i'd hate to have an alzheimer's or that is not how and like it if if i'm start acting like a little kid and all that someone just get that pillow and smother me please <laughs> I have no judgment against you. I mean, I know you're going to feel like you're smothering a little kid because I'm acting like a little kid, but just do it, please. Uh, don't do that. She won't do that. My wife said she won't. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Running away. See, look at that. All right. Any, anybody else? Something they ran away from? Getting up in front of people. Oh, getting up in front of people. See, I'm about to book it out the door right now. So I put this in front of the door, sink it out the door. By the time I'm out there, someone came back. Uh, yeah, I don't sing. Mm -hmm. I'd rather like 30 cents and not sing one. Anyways, all right uh you know we try to get away from things uh job even asked uh he said who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered who hath hardened himself and he's talking about against god and job of course knew the answer to that and so do we nobody you can't get away from god and and prosper well, what god has for you in your life you know if we obey god's will if we uh do what he has Everything in life holds together. I'm not saying everything is perfect, but everything in life holds together. But if we disobey, everything starts to fall apart. Nowhere in the Bible is this truth better illustrated than the experience of Elimelech and his wife Naomi. This is the start of Ruth, the book of Ruth here. We see in this chapter three mistakes that we got to avoid uh, when we deal with problems and trials of life. Again, like I said, I'm going to get to point one today, and I'll get the other two points next week because I know I, was, I, I got through this and realized, hey, I'm at 10 pages. This is too much. I need to scale this back. Because uh, I, I, I pretty much write down everything. I was telling David and uh, Janice and, and Kendra with me yesterday. I was sewing, and I was telling them in the car on the way back, yeah, I, I write down every word I'm going to say, unless I go off topic, and that's bad. Uh, but uh, I know how many words, and at 10 pages, that's way too much. Uh, we wouldn't be out here until 11 o'clock. So, uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> excuse me, mistakes that we must avoid as we deal with the problems and trials, not running away from what God has for us, but... Uh, if you look in Ruth chapter 1, 
And look down at, at verse 1. We're going to go right to the beginning of these. Uh, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Certain man of Bethlehem, Ju- uh, Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the sons of his, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. They got creative on those names, all right? Uh, Epaphrodites uh, of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the woman of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Verse 5, And Malon and Chilion died, also both them. And the woman uh, was left of her two sons and her husband. So we see uh, one of the first things uh, we need to avoid when we're dealing with problems uh, as we try to run. And you can't run from your problems. Your problems will find you. And one of the main things that uh, when we're dealing with our problems, the first one that we need to avoid is unbelief. And we were trying to run uh, or trying to run from our problems here. You know, uh, Life was not easy in those days. Uh, during this time period of the Judges, uh, is when Ruth was. It's again right at the end of the book of Judges when this is uh, in your Bible. Not, not everything's chronological in your Bible, but Ruth was during this time. And in those days, we, saw, we see in, in Judges 17, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's be the, uh, we could say, the, the theme of the book of Judges. But Ruth is during this time. The book of Judges was. A uh, story of Israel of one of its lowest points. Uh, it talks about the division that happened in Judges. Uh, all the people were split. There was cruelty. Uh, there was uh, apostasy or the abandonment of religion during this time. There was civil war. There was nat- national disgrace. You know, our lives spiritually probably resemble the book of Judges more than anything else. Uh, and we know there's no king. And of course, in Israel, it won't be until uh, Jesus returns. But like Israel in the past, many of God's people today are living in di- unbelief. They're living in disobedience of what God has. And you look through the book of Judges, people were not enjoying life during the book of Judges. It was not a happy time. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this is the best time of life. And it wasn't, uh, they weren't looking at their uh, stock portfolio and like happy. They were just happy to be alive. And they were going through struggles. And they were not enjoying the blessing of God. The main reason of that was they were doing what was right in their own eyes. When we do what's right in our own eyes, sometimes we think, oh, it's going to be, everything's going to be good. I'm doing what I think is good, and God shows us something very different than that. You know, uh, this, this book, the story of, of Ruth, I, I think is very much a, it's very clearly a love story, which we'll get into later on. But in, it seems very incredible that this beautiful love story uh, takes place at such a disastrous time in their history. And uh, I think that's true today. We experience uh, so much national and international craziness. We experience moral decay. We experience difficulties of every kind. Yet God loves this lost world. He's seeking for a bride. And we'll get into that story later on. But in spite of all the craziness that we see in, uh, on headlines or dangers in the streets, we can be sure that God still loves this world. He wants to save lost sinners. I'm so grateful for that. And when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, no matter how tough the times may be, you're part of this incredible love story that he has of us. But in the time of, uh, of Ruth, um, uh, well, let me, first off, so you see the time, it struggles. Uh, the place, now, um, it's really weird because we see there's a famine in, in Bethlehem. Now, 
uh, I think that there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that the names correlate with with things and with stories. I, I was realizing that through a lot of the book, of, or when we went through the, the stories of Elijah, so many places, uh, the names had deep meanings beyond just what the lesson was. Bethlehem was known, the, the, the city means uh, house of bread. So you think of this, this place as a, of having a famine. And a famine was very much, usually in the Old Testament, evidence of God's discipline because people sinned against him. Again, we think of the story of Elijah and other times. But during the book of the Judges, Israel repeatedly turned from God. We're going to worship false idols. And uh, the, the heathen nations that they're brought in. So God disciplines them. Here he brings a famine. You know, the godly had to suffer be, because of the ungodly, even in Bethlehem. So we see what's going on and the decision that uh, Elimelech makes. You know, when trouble comes in our lives, we can do three things. So there's three choices that we have. There's probably more than that, but there may be less than that. But for my lesson today, there are three things that we can do. You can either endure uh, that trouble you can escape that trouble, or you can enlist that trouble. If we only endure our trials, then our trials become our master. They're in control of us. We have a tendency to become hard to those trials that we face in life. We have a tendency to become bitter to those trials we face in life. If we try to escape our trials, then we miss out what God has for those trials in our life. We miss out on some lessons that we can learn. But if we learn to enlist our trials... They, the trials, that is, will become our servants instead of our masters. Those trials will work for us, and God will work all things together for his good, and of course for his glory, as Romans 8, 28 says. Elimelech made the wrong decision when it came uh, to leaving home. And we see what made his decision so wrong. That unbelief that he was causing him to run. So the first point is he walked by sight and not by faith. You know, uh, Abraham made the same mistake when he encountered a, a famine. In, in Genesis 12, 10, uh, it says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. You know, Abraham was doing the same thing that Elimelech was doing, walking by sight. He wasn't walking by faith. Remember, uh, if we go back to Abraham, God told Abram before he became Abraham, Hey, I want you to go to this place. It's where I'm telling you to go. I want you to go here. Well, he got there, and there's a famine was, and he said, no, I can't handle this. I don't have enough food. Abram probably was already starting to grow his family that he had with him. I got to go. And so they went down to Egypt. And Brother Matt taught on Wednesday night, if you were talking about what happened when he was in Egypt. So the hardships that came because of that. But instead of waiting for God to tell him what to do next, Abram fled to Egypt, got into trouble. You know, no matter how difficult our circumstances may be, the safest and best place is in the will of God. You know, uh, it's easy to say like what David said. David said in Psalms, and sometimes we have these same thoughts. He said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. We think, all right. I'll fly away. No, I'm just thinking, oh, we're not going to run around doing that. But uh, we want to go. We want to leave. As soon as the tr uh, troubles face, I'm out of here. Um, you know, and sometimes I see that, or you see a conflict about to start. Like, no, nope, see ya. Okay. There's someone at the, you know, at the store, and they're starting to, like, see in the retail uh uh, whatever it's called, re retail rage, as they're going back and forth. Uh, like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm, yeah, uh, some of you have dealt with it. But uh, but it's wiser to claim the promise of Isaiah, in Isaiah 40, verse 31, that we wait on the Lord. And that's when we get the wings like eagles. When we wait in God, we trust in Him, and, and of course, soar about those storms. You can't run away from your problems. And here, he was walking by sight and not by faith. 
So how do you walk by faith? We walk by faith by claiming what God has for us. You know, uh, Abram had a promise from God, and yet he didn't claim that promise. He was walking by, by sight and not by faith. Uh, you know, sometimes in spite of what we see or how we feel or what may think what may happen, we ought to be committing ourselves to God and relying wholly on Him to meet our need. Some of you think, oh yeah, I can take care of this myself. I can work my extra hours or I can uh, work on it myself, right? I, I can take care of it. When we don't trust in Him, we, we don't bring even our problems to Him. We just run from the problems and think we'll take care of them ourselves. It, when we live by faith, our faith glorifies God. <clears throat> When we live by faith, our faith is a witness for God. Uh, it's a witness to this lost world. When we live by faith, it builds our Christian character uh, that we have in our lives. You know, God has ordained that the righteous will live by his faith. And I have five references for that. I'm not going to get to those. But when we refuse to trust him, we're calling God a liar. We're dishonoring God. Remember, we talked about in spiritual warfare, the devil just tries to get us to turn away from God. If we're looking at him and he gets us to doubt him in any way, shape, or form, that, that's an accomplishment of, of Satan. When we trust in God, man, that, that is a, number one, it's a spit in the face of the devil. But we're also showing, showing the world that our God is true, that our God is trustworthy, that he is in control, that he is sovereign, that he knows what's going on. There is a wisdom of this world that usually leads to folly. It leads to sorrow. But there's a wisdom from God that, that to the world seems a folly. They think, man, that's, that's, you're doing what? And it's weird to the world, but that's because they don't have that wisdom from above. Uh, Isaiah 5 verse 21 says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. And man, that is so true uh, of our generation. I guess you're the next generation beyond me, but millennials, Gen Z, whichever one. Man, we trust in ourselves so much. We think that we know. We think that we know better than everybody else. And sometimes we do. There are times when yeah, they don't know how to use a phone. Okay, uh, okay Boomer, all right. Uh, what was that the other day? Uh, I can't remember. All right, I got to stay on topic. Uh <laughs> Uh, but you know, we think that we know better and man, we got to trust that God is the one that understands better than we do. We had to walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, the, the second point of when he had this unbelief was he majored on the physical and not the spiritual. Uh, he majored on the physical, not the spiritual, you know, as a husband and as a father, certainly you want to provide for your wife and for your family. And, uh, those that are single and eventually maybe even married, that is your job. You ought to be majoring on taking care of them. And if you cannot care for your own, worse than the infidels, the Bible says. But he must not do it at the expense of losing the blessing of God. Somebody think, oh yeah, I got to work all these hours. But then you miss out on being spiritual in your home. You may, we work all these things and we're, we're so caught up in the physical things of this the world, but we forget about the spiritual. Here, Elimelech was all concerned about the physical things, not the spiritual. Man, he was supposed to be in Bethlehem. That was where he was supposed to be. That's where he should have been worshiping God. That's where he should have been raising his family. But he went to a place in Moab who was an enemy of God. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But he made sure on the physical, not the spiritual. Uh, you know, when, when Satan met Jesus in the wilderness, his first temptation was to suggest that Christ satisfy his hunger rather than please his father. And again, we talked about that. It was tied right in. But, you know, one of the uh, devil's pet lies that he uses is, oh, you do have to live. You got to live, you know, and we use that as an excuse to get away from the spiritual things. But it is in God that we live and move and have our being, as it says in Acts 17, 28. And we ought to be so uh, 
focus in our life on the spiritual things. And understand God will guide us to take care of our physical needs. Uh, said that It's said time and time again that God will care for those. Uh, and, and he doesn't, that doesn't mean that we ought to be, uh, uh, sit back and do nothing. And we're, let every, God's just going to drop money in our lap. But when we focus in our trust in him, he's going to guide us to where we can make money. We will provide for our families. And he's able to take care of us. You know, David's uh, verses in Psalms 37 are very much worth considering. We actually just went over these in, our, in school. We're going through Psalms 37 for school. But it says, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And I know that's so true that God cares for the righteous. Uh, excuse me, Paul, when he faced a very threatening future in his life, he, he said, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He was not focused on the physical, focused on the spiritual. And this life that we get so caught up in that is just for a vapor, it is here for a minute and vanishes away. It's just gone. Uh, just like if you watch uh, or if you see your water boiling, as you see that vapor just floating away, that is our life. Yet that little vapor flowing away, we focus so much on this physical body. I don't mean that we should be uh, unhealthy or anything like that, but we get so caught up on that and not the spiritual things. That's what Elimelech was doing. Oh, I got to take care of my family. I gotta... Yeah, but God will take care of you here. God will take care of you here in Bethlehem. And in times of difficulty, if we, if we die to self and put God's will first, Matthew 6 says, Seek ye first, kingdom of God, we can be sure that he will either take, take us out of the trouble or bring us through the trouble. But either way, he's going to take care of us. As long as we focus on the spiritual, not, not the physical. Uh, the last point I see uh, of the unbelief that uh, Elimelech has was he honored the enemy and not the Lord. You know, uh, by going 50 miles to this neighboring land of Moab, uh, Elimelech and his family, they abandoned God's land. They abandoned God's people for the land and people of the enemy. Moab was, uh, Moab. the Moabites were descendants of, from Lot, and they came from Lot's incestuous, incestuous union with his daughter. These, these came through uh, after uh, Lot came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he got drunk. His daughters, who got messed up completely in Sodom and, in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, had a child with, her, with their father, and they became the Moabites. Wicked, perverse people. When you start that way, of course, it's going to be very wicked and perverse, but they were the Jews' enemy because of the way they treated Israel. When Israel came from Egypt into Canaan, uh, you look through Deuteronomy 23 and, and Numbers uh, 22 through 25, talks about how they treated uh, the Jews. During the time of the Judges, Moab had invaded Israel and, and ruled over them for 18 years at the beginning of Judges. And this is all the people that he's going to go to. He's going to honor the enemy and not God. And uh, why would Elimelech Turn to them for help. Uh, there are people in Isaiah 16. God even saying, he's so happy to walk. He didn't like them. He's why just wash feet. I despise people. And uh, this is a much a humiliated nation in, in God's eyes. Uh, uh, washing the feet of a conquering soldier. Elimelech was showing that he thought he could go somewhere outside of God's will and it'd be okay. Sometimes we are getting very uh, spooky when we say God's will. But God's will for each and every one of us is specific. But there's also a lot of generalities on there. One of the things is, here he literally left God's will, left what God had provided for them, this promised land. I'm going to go to the enemy. They'll take care of me. God, you couldn't take care of me. That's what he was saying. The enemy can take care of me. God, you can't. 
And he thought he had a better plan than God had. He was honoring the world and not honoring God. And so many times in our life, we are the same way. We think the ways of the enemy are better than the ways of God. And we, we see them time and time again. That, that is the biggest lie that we can ever swallow. That the world will take care of us better than God will take care of us. We should be honoring God with the decisions that we make in this life. And uh, we, we see some of the, when we, when Elimelech made this decision, the consequences, uh, Elimelech's, Elimelech's name means my God is king. But the Lord was not king in Elimelech's life. He left God completely out of his decisions. He made a decision out of God's will when he went to Moab. This led to another bad decision. His uh, sons married women of Moab. Of course, Malon married Ruth and, and Chilion married, married Orpah. Jews were forbidden. You can't marry outside of the Israel nation. It's Gentile women, people who are not from Israel. And especially those, they were, uh, specifically they were told, nobody from a Ammon and nobody from Moab. This is bad. You you're Specifically, don't just marry anybody, but especially from Ammon, especially from Moab. But he made this other decision that he thought, that would be okay. And it was the Moabite woman in, in Moses' day who uh, seduced the Jewish men into immorality, into idolatry. And if you look in Numbers 25, that's 24,000 people died because of this wrong they did. But Elimelech and his family, they, they get out of Judah. They, they try to escape death. But three men met death just the same. You know, they, they thought, oh, we're just going to be here temporarily, just during the famine. They stayed there for 10 years. Uh, says that in verse 4 there. And at the end of that decade, uh, we could say the decade of disobedience that they had here. All that remained were three lonely widows. Three lonely widows. There was three lonely widows, three Jewish graves here in this foreign land. And everything else was gone. Uh, in, in verse 21, let me just flip there real quick. It says, And I went out full, and the Lord had brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me? Naomi, seeing the Lord have testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. And I had everything when I went out. I'm coming back, and she did. Of course, she came back home, came back empty. We can't run away from our problems. We can't avoid taking with us the, uh, the cause of our problems. And usually that is an unbelieving heart. We have so much unbelief in our that We don't trust that God is in control. We don't believe that He actually knows what's going on. You know, uh, someone said the majority of us uh, begin with the bigger problems outside and forget the one inside. A man has to learn the plague of his own heart before his own problems can be solved. Sometimes that, that plague that we have inside is our unbelief. We, we're trying to take care of all this stuff outside when it's actually us, the unbelief inside, that we don't trust that God's in control. And might we in our life uh, avoid the big mistake of when we, try have, when we have problems and trials in this life, that problem of unbelief, that we take care of that. So we, what, we should be walking by faith not by sight like Elimelech did. We should be majoring on the spiritual things and not the physical. We focus on the spiritual things in the life, then the physical things will take care of them. And lastly, we ought to be honoring God and not the enemy. We make our decisions. Is it God honoring in the decision I make? Or am I making the world happy or am I making God happy? Uh, next week, we'll get into the other two mistakes that we can avoid. But as we go through this, uh, these lessons, uh, might we learn God has a land for us. And sometimes we face trouble and trials for us in him. He's in control.